Welcome to the Free Life Chapel podcast, where we help you discover and live the free life in Christ. We're so glad you set aside time to join and connect with us. I know you'll be impacted by and through today's message. Now let's jump into it. Well, some of you are here today to say, where in the heck are they going with this series? Strip Club. Here we go. I told the team this will not be an illustrated message. <laughs> Yesterday, I, I, I had to dress up for an event, and I pulled, pulled some dress shoes out that I've had for, for a few years. And uh, I put them on. I like them. I, I, you know, I, I like them. Not the most comfortable shoe, but I like them. And um, I bought them years ago, and when I bought them years ago, the salesman... Uh, who sold me the shoes, he, he encouraged me and sold me on buying these, these, these padded inserts that would go in also, like really makes the, the shoe like more comfortable, cushiony. He's like, okay, yeah, good, good to do it. So I bought them. And I've, 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 the, I've only worn the shoes with the pads in them. That's all I've ever done. I've just, for years, for years. And yesterday I was putting the shoes on, and I don't know why, I just decided, I wonder what this shoe would feel like without the pad. So I yanked the pads out of it. And I put the shoes on, and you know what? They fit so much better. I'm like, oh my God, the pads were in the way. I, I, I thought I needed to add something to the shoe to make it more comfortable when the truth is it had my foot all cramped and it was so tight. Once I took it out, my, my foot was like, thank you. And now I can like, I could, all day, it was like, this is nice. The, the, I, I, was, I was grateful. Here, here's what's crazy. My foot was made more comfortable by what I removed, not what I added. That's really interesting because in the culture that we live in today, we think we just need to keep adding stuff to our life to make it better. When the truth is we might need to strip some stuff off to make it better. Have you ever had to strip somebody up? Well, no, never mind. Let's just, let's give it, let's give it. Deuteronomy chapter four. Let me just not get distracted right there. Deuteronomy chapter four. Verse 2, you're going to read this whole verse with me, all right? You ready? We're going to read it in English, not Spanish. Or Polk. Let's, let's do English. Ready? One, two, three. Do not add to or subtract from these commands I am giving you. Just obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you. Check this. This is going to be the signature underlying foundational verse of this entire series. God said this early in the book. He reiterated it in the book of Revelation. He said, don't add to what I'm telling you and don't take away from it. Leave it alone. You ever said that to your kids? Leave it alone. You ever seen someone who over-accessorized? Leave it alone. Like it was fine like it was, but you just kept put. No changes, no altering. Don't rework my word to make it feel good to you. Leave it alone. Don't add things to it and don't, don't you twist it. Leave it alone. And if you'll leave it alone, it will actually produce what I promised you it would produce. You start messing with it, it loses its original power and intent. And therefore, you'll be claiming stuff that this book never promised to provide because you have a version of this book but not the purity of this book. God was, was very, very serious about no changes, no altering. I, I, this series 
is about stripping down the Christ life back to what it originally was meant to be. Let's take off what man and religion has put on it. What did they sign God's name to that God never said? And what is it that we have taken away that actually belongs? So that we're not having our own version, but we're getting back down to that right there. We're going to rediscover the original fit. So last week, we talked on, uh, we celebrated Easter from Good Friday, Jesus' death on the cross all the way to his resurrection. I'm so grateful he did all that for us, but I want you to understand last week, every piece and part of what Jesus went through, both in his, in his trial, his beating, certainly the entire day of crucified, things that he said, where he bled the seven places on his body, he bled from every piece and part was intentional. Nothing was just by happenstance. The crown of thorns on his head was for the healing of our mind. The, 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 the nails in his hand so that you and I could produce in a righteous way in life. Nails in his feet over, so our, over the path of our life. On and on and on. Stripes on his back for our healing. We see this all through the word of God. That there was a purpose to everything that happened. The thief on the cross beside him had to be showing us that there is a way even in those closing moments of life that forgiveness is available. All of that is so intentional and purposeful. We we can't just read over it like it's a really cool novel. No, it was on purpose. But there's one aspect, we mentioned it last week, but one aspect is usually always overlooked, ran right past, doesn't get the focus that it needs. It's rarely identified in churches today, and that is this, that Jesus was stripped naked while he was on the cross. He didn't have the loincloth on. I know they try to dress it up and make it okay for kids to look at it. I'm not mad at anybody. But if we're going to get back to actual reality, what happened when Jesus died? He was stripped naked. They beat his back off. They nailed him to a tree. They elevated him in the air and they stripped him naked to add humiliation and degradation as much as they could. Stripped every ounce of dignity off of his life. That's what they did. It was intentional. It was a part of the reality. Jesus was stripped naked on the cross. And the Bible actually begins to go back and speak to this in a way that if you and I are not careful, we'll just read over it. And, and I want us to hit this verse, just, just, just six words of this verse. We're not going to read the whole verse, but, but Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 actually hits this. And here's what the Bible says, that Jesus endured the cross despising the shame. I'm gonna, we're going to read it again. Endured the cross despising the shame. Let me ask you something. What shame did Jesus despise? Because it says the shame. It didn't say its shame. The shame wasn't related necessarily to the cross. The shame of the cross. No, that's not what he said. If, he, if it was the shame of the cross, he said he endured the cross despising its shame. That's not what he said. He's despising the shame. The shame? That's, a, that's, a, that's an article. The is that article that speaks to something that stands alone. The shame is something different. So what shame was he despising? Well, in order to find that shame, to get a full picture of what Jesus did, we've got to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. From the very jump of this entire story. Watch. I want to lay this quick foundation for you and let you see what happens here. God's original plan, I'm just going to go ahead and make the announcement. God's original plan was for all of us to be in this room today completely butt naked. Don't look at your neighbor. Look right here. Look right here. Don't, don't look around. Don't look around. 
Clothes were not God's idea. No, it was not. It was man's idea. God's idea was, boom, whoop, there it is. That's exactly what God planned. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Everyone read this verse with me. Ready? One, two, three. The man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. God created Adam and Eve, and the Bible says they were naked, there was no clothes, and there was no shame. Isn't it interesting that it adds no shame to the nakedness? Nakedness is mentioned. It could, it could have just said God made Adam and Eve both naked, no clothes. Boop, there it is. But, but he added, and they felt no shame. Both were added there. It, it, it means that they were fully exposed, totally uncovered. But, but, but watch this. It wasn't just physical. They, they were naked, which also talks about emotionally they were uncovered. Spiritually, completely uncovered. In other words, completely confident. Zero, zero insecurities. Strong emotionally put together, totally vulnerable and fully okay with it. You see all that I am and all that I'm not, and I'm fine with that. That, that right there is a whole different ballgame. They're in God's presence, Adam, Eve, because watch this, no sin. Everyone say no sin. That's how it was until they jacked the whole thing up. The Bible says that Adam and Eve are standing at the tree. Eve grabs the apple, bites it, goes, mm, Adam, taste this. He does. He's, Adam, I, I'm going to kick him in the shin when we get to heaven. Because you, you know why? People say, well, the man didn't sin. It was the woman. It was that. Oh, stop it. If he would have been leading his house the way God told him to, he would have pulled the snake down, took its head off, and we would be in a different situation right now. But no. Soft, whatever you want, Eve. He let her lead, and, and, and it got, order was completely messed up. Why do you say that, Pastor? That just, it sounds like that the man, you know, the, God told the man in Genesis 2.15, you guard, you keep the garden, you take care of your house, protect it from anything that could come in and undermine. And because Adam dropped the ball, he allowed the enemy to slither up inside of his house to begin to work on Eve's mind. He followed Eve instead of leading, and now we got a mess on our hands. So man sins, and now look what happens in Genesis 3. We're going somewhere, just laying a foundation here. Watch this. So here, here's what the Bible says. At that moment, their eyes were opened. Here it is. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. God made them naked and unashamed. They were made naked. They felt no shame as a result of that nakedness. Then sin entered in. And when sin entered in, it changed everything. Sin became the seeds that started to grow shame. And now we have a scenario going where the Bible says in Genesis 3 that they suddenly felt shame because of their nakedness. Something had radically shifted. This is the first time, it, it, one of the very first emotions we see in the Bible that a man and woman experiences is shame. Now the Bible says that they hid from each other and they hid from God. They realize, oh, and they go running. They, 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 in, in fact, it's, it's, it's so dangerous, it's so tragic what happens 
with shame. The shame of sin actually turned God's presence into a place of discomfort. I need to push back from God. I can't come to God. Shame makes me reject his presence, reject his offers, reject his love, reject his voice because I'm trying to cover myself. Shame drives us from God because they were trying to cover themselves. It, it, it's, it's so funny. They get into blame games. All of a sudden, they, 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 they sowed fig leaves together. And I wish I had time to get into all that. I don't. But, but bottom line is, God comes to Adam, where are you? Where? Not because God couldn't find him. He just wanted Adam to admit where he was. I'm over here. Why are you hiding? Well, because we blew it. That woman you gave me. No, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible, that's not my opinion. That's what the Bible, that woman you gave me. And God goes, yeah, I see how this is going. Hey, Eve, to, it was the snake. You got this blame game going because this is what shame does. Shame starts blaming. Shame starts shape shifting. Shame gets into the, the matrix. Shame is just getting out of that. Shame. Yeah. God, I should have stopped that 10 years ago. Shame. Shame makes us push back on instead of stepping into the moment and realizing it's broke, it's busted, we need to fix this. Shame starts making excuses for everything. And so what happened? They've got all these fig leaves. God goes, that doesn't fit you. It's not designer. And so God actually in verse 21, the Bible says that God killed an animal and wrapped them in skins. Can I help you with something? When God killed the animal, that means something that had life had to die to cover the sin and shame of the people so that it becomes the first picture foreshadowing what Jesus would do for you and me. Because when God wrapped them in these skins, I promise you, they were still bloody and it was the blood that was covering and touching their life. The blood of the animal, the blood of the lamb covers. We see it first spoken of and identified right here. You see, Jesus' nakedness on the cross, it wasn't random. It was intentional. It had to be that way. It, it, it had to be. Number one, watch this. First, Jesus was crucified on the cross for our sins. Anybody thankful that he paid a price he did not owe? How you know you owed a debt you could not pay? Oh, yeah, nothing you and I could do would ever fix the sin issue. So Jesus came to die for the sins once and for all, for all of humanity. That's first. But watch this. We never talk about this. The second reason is this. Jesus was crucified naked on the cross to remove the shame that pushes us away from God. It's one thing to have your sins forgiven. It's another thing to have the shame of the sin taken away from your life. Because you and I know what it is to be forgiven and still be living with shame. I don't care how old you are, you've had shame. I don't care how young you are, we've walked through shame. I don't care how much money you've got, you've had shame. I don't care if, if you poke CI, you've had shame, or if you, if you were raised in the church all of your life, you've had shame. I don't care how well you've lived, how tragically, we've all dealt with sin and shame in our life. None of us will ever escape the need of the cross. But Jesus came to deal with both. Someone shout both. He came to deal with both. That's why the church has to be a strip club. 
Because we are to strip shame off your life after Jesus removes the sin off of your life. We're here to take it away. It doesn't look good on you. Nobody should be wearing fig leaves in the room. I'm just saying right now, nobody. You see, watch this. It's fully possible to run from Jesus because of the shame in your life. Like, how do you know, when you blow it, you know you blew it. Seven of you. I'm going to try that again. I'm looking for some group participation. How do you know when you blew it, you knew you blew it when you blew it? Oh, yes. If your neighbor did not raise their hand, throw an elbow because they really have issues if they can't admit that they blew it. You knew better and you still rejected God. You ever, you ever been thinking about doing something you knew you shouldn't and all of a sudden this booming voice comes out like, don't do it. Like all this conviction running through your life. You go, but it's a really good idea because I really want to. I really, and you find yourself, have you ever, you ever been there like that? I mean, like, and, and watch this, watch it. All of a sudden you got this voice. You know what that voice is? You know who that voice is? Holy Spirit. He's, he's the convictor. He's stepping in going, no, 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 no. For some of you, he's like this. Don't do it. Don't do it. He's different with me. He's irritating in my life. He's like, he's like the hound dog of hell of heaven coming after me. Like all of that. And how many of you have had that bark? You've had that knock. And you still did that thing. Still did that thing. We all have. We all have. We've rejected God and now our shame is separating me from God. The, the good news is this. Like Adam and Eve, God still searches for us. He comes down and he's on a search and rescue mission. And ready or not, here I come. And he's coming looking for you. Watch this. Not to condemn you, but to cover you. He's not coming to throw elbows and beat you down and shame you. God knows, no, 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 I sent my son to get the shame off your life. Let me help you. If you're in that situation, grace can only be given to a debtor. Mercy can only be given to the guilty. Salvation can only be given to the lost. Your messy life doesn't disqualify you from the goodness of God. It moves you to the front of the line when you can finally admit, I need him in my life. I need him in my life. Because there's no other way to deal with the issues in our life other than bringing it to Jesus. You and I are prime candidates for this brand new life when we realize that he's the answer. Grace, mercy, forgiveness, peace, joy are the results of surrendering our life to him there. But it's also possible to accept forgiveness and still be living with shame. Ah, ah. Be living with shame. Be plus living is where we get the word believing. You keep believing the shame. You keep believing it, its report, the stain, the issue. You keep believing what they said about you. You keep living down to your behavior instead of up to your value. You keep believing it. And now that it's become your truth, you're not able to get past the ceiling of that, I deserve this. I shouldn't have this in life. I deserve to be treated this way. And we start buying into the shame. See, I accepted Jesus, but I'm reliving the shame from the past. I'm, I'm condemning myself off of stuff that Jesus already forgave me for. 
He went and paid the debt, and I'm still going through my wallet looking for a credit card to pay for it. And go, I'm telling you, dog, I paid for it. No, I know, but I've got to find something. Stop it. I've already paid for it. Yeah, I know. I'll be there in a minute. I'm still, Stop it. This is exactly what he did. You're condemning yourself over this stuff because you still haven't put the full weight of your past on Jesus. Let me help you with something, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is not shocked by your past. He knows how crazy you were up in that place. He knows, he knows, he knows your stuff. He is fully aware of your stuff. But you and I, when we can't put our full weight on him because we don't think Jesus can handle all of that, it's you and I keep on making fig leaf skirt and it looks terrible and we're not experiencing the joy of our salvation. I, I want to experience that. Like people walk around and go, Whoa! David wrote in Psalm 51. He wrote the psalm just after he jacked things up with Bathsheba. He went, he had Bathsheba. Bathsheba's husband killed. Now he's sleeping with Bathsheba, spitting out a baby out of wood, like all kinds of craziness. And David writes this. He said, oh, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He said, the shame in my life from what I did has robbed my life. And I know you love me and I love you, but I'm living with such shame. I can't get back to laughing and living the way you said I'm supposed to. I've got to get this off of my life. You and I go through these same situations in life. Shame is dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. It is dangerous. And I want to give you two reasons why. As Christ followers, we handle shame in one of two ways. Here's what we do. Number one, I try to cover my issues. Anybody ever tried to act like you ain't got no past? Everybody please raise a hand or wiggle a toe or something. We all do. We all, we all try to put on like I ain't never been there. But we can't clean up that good. Somebody knows something. And give them three months, they'll find you on social media and they will spit it all out on you too. That's just kind of how it goes. No, but when we start trying to cover our issues, we're making excuses to protect our image because we don't want people to think bad about us. Like we've always had it all together. Like I wake up and my breath smells good and my hair is always looking like, like we ain't never had a problem in our life. What the? And so this, we, we judge, we criticize others, we gossip, we're comparing ourselves, we condemn other people. In fact, we set standards for others that we can't even live up to ourselves. It's just the craziest thing. And then we use other people's failures to make us feel good about what we think is our righteousness. Well, at least I don't do that. I'm so glad we're not them. It's amazing how we throw little snide remarks and those remarks, you, when, the next time someone says something like that around you, I want you to see them doing this. They're making a fig leaf skirt is all they're doing. Just, just you're sewing right away. Just trying to cover your mess. Angry, hurt, frustrated, snide remarks. How do you know a Christian knows how to cut you and you're not even sure when it happened? Y'all can leave. Me and Pastor George are going to have church all by ourselves in here. That's all I got to say. No, it, 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 it's amazing how we can just walk with that, that edge. You ever, you ever been around some angry Christians? When people give their life to Jesus, we try to make sure they don't get around angry Christians because an, a, an old angry Christian will rain on a parade of a brand new Christian. Brand new Christian is like, whoa, I'm going to heaven. And an old angry Christian, well, we'll see how long it lasts. Like, oh, my God. The skirt's a little bit short, isn't it? Would you shut up? Wearing a hat in church. Who do you think you are? I go to free life. That's where I go. Leave me alone. 
Oh, we're going there. No, in this series, we're going there. Oh, yes, we are. Black, white, and brown people, who do they think they are? We think we are the church of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. There, there's, there's some Christians, that, God bless you, love you, God put their mansion on the other side of heaven, please. I'm just going to go on this way. And you just kind of wave at them and keep walking. People have lost their joy because shame is still ruling in their life. And they've, they've become so distracted by sowing their own fig leaves that they've lost sight of the grace, the love, the forgiveness, and the mercy of God that we all need. Can I tell you something about that life? It is exhausting. Always having to be on. Always having to have your guard up. Always having to have an excuse. Always trying to act like you're better. Always trying to outperform. Here's my goal. Here's my goal at Free Life Chapel. Everybody's getting naked. Everybody's getting naked at Free Life Chapel. Take it off. Take it off. Take it off. That's exactly what the goal is, right? Take off the excuses. Take off the pride. Take off the judgment. Take off the gossip. Take off the condemnation. Stop it. Stop it. I want people to walk up inside this place that never felt like they belonged in a church. I don't care if they were just from the streets, straight out of Polk CI, my brothers at Polk CI campus, I love you. And I don't care where you've been or what the court said about you, you're loved and forgiven in Jesus. And the shame has been lifted off of your life. Your best days are ahead of you. And if the truth be told, some of us are more jacked up in the church than you are right now while you're locked up. We all need Jesus in our life. help you with how this needs to go own your past own it i did it oh you did it so raise your hand and admit it oh you did it so raise your hand and admit i can't hear you oh you did it so raise your hand and admit you know you did it in fact you didn't just do it you were good at doing it bad it was nasty it was a nasty past the rumors, people starting rumors, so, oh yeah, I did that, oh, and I did stuff, you don't even know it, I could add to that list you just gave me right there. No, it was worse than you ever even thought. I was crazy. I did stuff you don't know about. In fact, I st- I'm still tempted with stuff, and I think thoughts that would shock you right now. If you knew that I thought those thoughts in the, since I've been sitting in church, had thoughts I know I shouldn't have had, it's crazy what can happen in here. Oh, just act like, take your halo off and set it aside, strip that halo off right there that's the first one and just let's keep real about who we are we all need Jesus in our life thank God for sending Jesus to remove the sin but to break the shame of our life I don't care what Mark's life has put on your body or what the past looks like how solid it is or what a mess it is what they say about you what the court I don't give a rip We are all brand new in Jesus Christ. We all need his grace and his mercy. See, it's no longer shame on you. Well, shame on you. No, shame on Jesus. The shame was on him. He died on the cross. It's gone. Shame. I'm not built to handle shame. You're not built to handle. You know know what shame is? The difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is when you feel bad for doing something wrong. Shame is when you think you are what's wrong. 
And the moment you identify with being the one that's wrong and my life is wrong and I am wrong and I'm not worthy. And now I'm all of a sudden having to defend myself to make sure I've got a place in this world. And Jesus said, I need you to drop the guard because I took the shame and the blame of everything you did and been through on the cross. I am releasing you to go live the life that I died for you to have. We don't have to live under that shame. Bottom line is this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need you to get out of the way of Jesus and let him do what he wants to do in your life. Would you please turn to three folk and tell him, please get out of his way. Just tell him, just please get out of his way. Get out of his way. Get out of his way. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Check this out. One, two, three. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Oh, the Bible's crystal clear on this. And we love the first part and we skip the second part. There is therefore now no condemnation. Woo! Wait, keep reading. For those who do not walk according to the flesh. That means my, my, my desires that I know are whack and out of order. I shouldn't be doing them. As long as I'm not just pursuing a lifestyle of that then the condemnation is gone in my life. But what happens is when I'm not pursuing a lifestyle of Christ, I can quote the scripture and I can do what I want, but what I'm, at, I'm adding to and taking away from his word, I'm making my own version of the Bible, and God said, I can't stand behind that one. Only mine I stand behind. I can't do that one. And so as long as you're, as you're pursuing me, you're going to be fine. But if you start pursuing a different lifestyle, then you're going to experience shame and condemnation that's not from me. It's, it's produced by the sin in your life. This hits all of us between the eyes that I've got to learn to keep getting up and moving. It's not that I live sin-free in my life, but because I'm pursuing him, I fall down, I get up, I'll fall down, but I'm falling forward as I'm coming after him, and that's when his grace, his mercy, his love embraces me, and I'm not experiencing everything I should have had if I wasn't covered by his grace. We're not perfect. That's why we don't have any judgment against anybody who falls down in life because I fall down too. We fall down. But we get up, for a saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. That's all we are. So I don't have any judgment for you, but I'm glad that I'm sitting in the arms of Jesus so that that grace covers and leads me forward. You see, if condemnation is gone for all those who are pursuing Christ despite the failing. So I don't have to defend the sin. I, and that, that pain that I experience in my life is actually exposing sin. If you've ever felt bad for doing something wrong, you need to thank God for that. That's the voice of Holy Spirit because you've not always felt bad for doing wrong things. You've not always felt bad for saying the wrong things. You know what's crazy? You've actually had the urge to apologize to people. <laughs> Ain't that crazy? That, that is just nuts. I got the urge one time, and I had to go back, and I had to apologize to someone. I think I was at Walmart. It was Walmart or Publix. I think it was at Walmart. That, man, I was just so frustrated. People in the line and all kinds of craziness going on, and I was so irritated. And as soon as I got done, they checked me out. I was curt. I was just, and I, and, I, and I got my stuff, and I'm walking out. And, man, I felt such conviction. Go back and apologize to that cashier. Your attitude sucketh. Here he comes. 
listen, I, I, I'm sorry. And, and of course, of course, because I'm, I got my tail on the way, now there's other customers in line. Wish I could have pulled them aside and been private, but no, she's working. Like, listen, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. My attitude was way out of order. I didn't mean to put that on you. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. No, sir, it's fine. I hear worse all the time. No, I no, no please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I had, I had to, but I had to go there. It's amazing how he will haunt you. That's a loving conviction from heaven, repairing and restoring. Let me close with this. Many of you know I enjoy going to the woods. I, I, I love the outdoors, enjoy hunting, all that good stuff. And I was new, on a new lease in Kentucky, and uh, I got into the woods early one morning. The, my, my buddies got me into a brand-new place I'd never been in, so it was dark when I went in. When it came time to come out, uh, I, I was lost. Like it, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. Like I got all this stuff, you know, I'm a he-man. Which way do I go? I don't even know where I, it's, it's, and so I'm, I'm, I'm walking and I'm walking and, and then I'm like, I don't, maybe not this way. So I'm walking this way and I'm walking for 30 minutes. Like I don't have a clue where I am right now. And I gotta be honest, it's frustrating and it's scary at the same time. I'm lost in the woods. I am lost in the woods. And I knew if I just found that there was, there's a dirt trail, they told me find the dirt trail and turn left, you'll be good. But I'm like, I, I can't even find the dirt trail. I literally got to the point, I was so frustrated, I took my backpack off, laid it down, laid my rifle down, and I climbed a little scrub tree to try to get up above, because I got trees and briars and wheat, I was just in a mess, to climb up to begin to look out and see if I could see anywhere, and I was about 20 yards from the little dirt road. It was so close. But until I elevated my perspective, I couldn't see because I was so in the weeds with life. I'm sorry, within the woods. I was stuck and I couldn't see my way out. You see, this is exactly what happened when you and I said yes to Jesus. Jesus did something else for you and I that we have to embrace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says this, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Jesus said, you're going to get, after you've said yes to me and I've forgiven you, you're going to hit some places where you're going to need to elevate your view of life. Because as long as you stay on ground level, you'll never see your way out. You're going to feel stuck, overwhelmed. You'll not know how your way out. I know you love me and I love you. But I died to give you more than just comfort that I love you. I want you to live a life more abundant. So to do that, you got to get your perspective higher so you can look down on it. And let me help you with something. Shame tries to keep you grounded. Shame tries to hold you down in the weeds and tries to keep you where you can't see where you're going. But the work of Jesus was to elevate your life. So you're sitting in the seat right beside him. And when you start looking down on situations, all of a sudden you're not nearly as lost because you can see from there what you couldn't see when you were in the middle of it. And I want you to know right now when shame comes off of your life, because I'm looking at life not through my eyes, but through the vision and the view and the elevation of Jesus. If he's said it, I believe it, I'm going to live it. No more excuses, no more trying to earn people's approval, no more trying to be good enough, no more thinking that God's mad at me because I did this or didn't do that. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do anything to add to your salvation. You can't do anything to add to God's love for you. You can't do anything to diminish his love for you. He loves you right where you are. He paid it in full. There's nothing you can do. You can't add any peace to any of it.
It's done. He needs you to believe it and live it. Believe it and live it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is tough stuff. Because I know me. And you know you. Stuff we've done, thoughts we've thought, attitudes, things in that world. But Jesus said, I died for past, present, and future. As long as you're pursuing me, there is no condemnation. I love you to death. And when I did, I died naked. Not just to remove your sin, but to remove the shame off of your life and that you get back to full living the way I intended from the beginning. Would you stand to your feet all through this room? I don't care what your past is, you got to let it go. That stuff will run you and haunt you for the rest of your life. I don't know if it left tracks or marks on your body. I don't know if you've been damaged by some things in the past and you carry that and it's that constant reminder trying to always take you back. Today we're changing it. It's a trophy of what you overcame and what Jesus did in your life. That's what it is. You're just as saved as I am. And I don't even know that you're not comparing yourself to anything. I, I need him like you need him. We all need him. None of us have it together. I'm not here because I'm better than you. I'm not up here sharing this because I've got something special in my life. I'm, I'm chasing Jesus like you're chasing Jesus. I fall down like you fall down. I think crazy thoughts. I get attitudes. I, 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 I need that grace and mercy. And I need shame lifted off of my life too, just like you do. We're all in it together. That's why it's critical you are hanging around people who are not reminding of your past but talking about your future and what Jesus has already done there's enough to remind you about your past we need voices that keep pointing us forward and reminding us Jesus paid for that and all that shame is on him no shame on you shame on him now me I get back to living today we're going to pray and I dare you I dare you to put the crosshairs of heaven on the shame factor of your life that's got you muted you're seeking people's approval always trying to be good enough you can't even laugh out loud you feel heavy you just enter you're hollow inside there's an anger there's just a frustration and you can't get back to being you there's got to be more to serving jesus than this and i'm telling you there is if you've been forgiven that's amazing now it's time for the shame to go jesus died for that he died for that we're going to pray, and I want you to target it. I want you to call it out. I don't want you to just listen to me pray. I want you to pray over your life. All you watching online, you pray. But let's go at it together. Jesus, thank you today for the price that you paid for our total life. Not just to remove our sin and give a heaven our home, but to break and to lift shame off of our life. We were never made to live with it. And today... Today, we are coming to you just open, naked and unashamed. We are fully exposed, admitting it's us. I did it. I failed. I blew it. I did that past. I don't like what I did. I'm embarrassed by that. All of that is true. And Jesus, you know it all. But today, as I give it all to you, I'm rolling the shame over on you as well. I'm not living this for the rest of my life. I was made for more. The heaviness has got to go. The blame game in my head has got to stop. 
the, 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 the complaining and the gossip and the fighting and the making excuses. It's I'm exhausted, God, of trying to be good enough in order for you to love me. And today I surrender. I'm putting the full weight of my life on you. And either you love me like I am or you won't. But I'm trusting your word. And you said you would if I would give it all to you. So today take it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, I'm giving it to you. And I say yes to the promise. I'm coming after you, Jesus. Not perfect, but faithfully. I'm coming after you. I'll pursue you knowing that as long as I'm pursuing you, never will a day of condemnation be in my life. Encouragement, forgiveness, grace, joy, hope, strength, peace, lifted. That's what you promised. I say yes to that equation right now. And I pray that over my friends in this room, those online from Polk CI, my brothers there, we're standing and we're moving forward in the grace that only you can give. Jesus, thank you for not just taking sin away, but thank you for shattering the shame off of our life that we can live free. We give you thanks for all this today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you're grateful for that, would you put your hands together today? Yes, 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 yes. If you enjoyed today's message, we invite you to connect with us by following us on our social media platforms or through our website at freelifechapel.org. Thank you for joining us today. Have a wonderful week.